now there's proof. Now there's tangible evidence to this. And it's not to, yeah. I mean, it's not to scare agencies into, you know, we no. don't want to go this route because we don't want to be exposed. It's no, you need to, if you can measure it, you can change it. Right. So yeah. if you can find a way to observe what's happening within the agency, what's happening to personnel, then you can start implementing intervention. Welcome to a podcast dedicated toward the distribution of evidence-based application of research, information, and training methods to assist the wellness initiative of the fire and rescue community. I'm your host, Hussein Jabat, and this is RIT Team Radio. Welcome to episode eight of RIT Team Radio, the Recovery Standard Project. What it is, how it started, what we're measuring, what we're looking for, and where are we going, right? So I'm joined here today with Dr. Michael Oldham. Uh, Dr. Michael Oldham, I want you, I want you to be the person to explain first, how did this project start? Before we get into what it is and all those great things, um, just where did this project come from? Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it again. Um, <clears throat> you know, as always, the work we're doing is... Uh is uh, mind-blowing in terms of how it how it expanded. Uh, so I, yeah, I can give you a little background as to how we started. So uh, you called me about, I don't know, four years ago, said, hey, you wanna do some research? And then uh, and then we just started going like gangbusters. And so we, we started working with departments uh, and then I had a, a student, an undergraduate student uh, with the McNair uh, Foundation uh, and an organization on campus called Trio. Uh, so she received a grant, an, an internal foundation grant uh, for uh, a small amount of money. Uh, but what it did was actually fund sort of the pilot study uh, to this. Uh, so we had actually eight participants in the original study. Uh, but the eight participants went for for six months. Um, and uh, so what we did was we purchased uh, whoop um, as a as a partner for AM commerce and and uh, our efforts uh purchased eight whoop bands and uh, put them on the on the firefighters for um, six months and uh looked at you know what was what was happening in terms of recovery and that's that's literally how it started was with just eight participants well and even with that right like our uh, thought process and going into that project wasn't, hey, let's compare every single ship schedule yeah. out there, right? Yeah. We're, and, and it was cycling back. So so kind of uh, going back to, or giving a little bit of background of kind of our, our thought process with our, uh, with the uh, research initiatives is anytime we work with an agency, and we continue to work with different agencies and expand out, we yeah. like to cycle back through and go, hey, you know, we worked with you on this project, however long ago. Now, are there any other areas, any other issues, any yeah. other concerns that you have that we can address? It's not just one project. All right, thank you. You know, thank you for your time uh, and and kind of move on, right? We we go back. And so this was another one of those efforts. Went back yeah, and said, was... hey, you know, is there anything else that we can help you with? And so- uh, talk, uh, I guess, uh, Oldham, talk about kind of what the ambitions within that agency was 
for that study uh, from an observation standpoint and then yeah. how it trickled into uh, more than just one agency. Yeah, this was our our, our second second um, second study with uh, that agency, uh, with that department, uh, small department certainly, uh, but their concern was uh, just sleep and recovery. Um, so we had had um, some talks uh, with them in regards to you know what what issues are you having or what issues do you think you're having, uh, and they were considering you know maybe in the future. Uh, uh, shifting to a different uh, shift pattern. So they were on a 2448. And uh, so we just said, I think we can solve this by just getting some baseline data just to tell you, here's what's happening as a as a baseline, um, not necessarily with any intervention in mind, um, but just to establish a baseline of here's how your firefighters are recovering. Um, and here's what they look like on you know, off days versus shift days and, and the recovery process for that. Well, and that ties back to the three-tier system that we've mentioned yeah. before and we we talked about before where you go in and you just observe. And this was one form of observation, one form of um, collecting measurements, collecting data to be able to in turn provide or provide an intervention, a solution, something to be able to create mm -hmm. a strategy uh, for that. And so uh, it was interesting enough. And as you mentioned, going in and it was just an observation. And I even remember one of the one of the discussions uh, with uh, one of the firefighters was this is what we're seeing. And then questions start to pop up of, okay, when did I recover? What did my recovery look like? you know, a couple of weeks and so forth. And then the question or, or, and then the comment was, well, we're actually considering to make a shift schedule uh, transition. And so maybe this can help with that. That wasn't, that wasn't the initial, at least in yeah. our mind, it wasn't the initial thought process. Um, so with that being said, before we branch into the expansion of the project itself, mm -hmm. what exactly are we looking for from a monitoring standpoint and then in turn, what have some agencies on their own been looking at throughout this process? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good good question. And so, you know, WU provides us with a, a ton of data. Uh, just, and really, I can even speak to that from the perspective of the first study in that, you know, a classic laboratory study will have, you know, a, a start and an intervention and then a post kind of uh, monitoring system. Uh, which is pretty easy to do, very easy to control. But in free living participants, it's a little more difficult uh, to, to analyze that. So when we start looking at longitudinal data like that, the, the statistics behind it is a little weird. But what we're looking at is comparisons, right? Uh, both in recovery score, um, so which is a composite score of uh, provided by WHOOP of uh, amount of sleep, quality of sleep, so sleep performance, um, resting heart rate, uh, HRV, so heart rate variability, and we can talk literally for 12 podcasts just on HRV if we wanted to, um, as the number one variable we, that you should really monitor kind of all the time. And then, um, uh, yeah, so that's, and then sort of based on the strain that you had the day before, so the amount of uh, strain that you had accumulated, how high your heart rate got for how long. So all of those com com combinatory factors go into this recovery score. 
And so it's a very easy way for the average person to kind of get an idea of how, how well they are prepared, right? Um, so if you just look at that from a simple process, this was the, the cool part about the original pilot was uh, in, a, in a good laboratory study, you don't want any changes happening to the variables during that test period. But in this situation, because the firefighters were able to see their recovery scores, they could actually self-modulate. They could they could change behaviorally. And it's yeah, and it's not even, hey, I see my score, you know, in the firehouse. It's so what was your score? That's right. It's very competitive, right? It builds that 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 competitive yeah. nature. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and so I, I want to give a little bit because a lot of people see the the polished work, right? Every everyone gets to see the publication. Uh, yeah. or maybe an article or something we've put out on that side. I, I know you know where I'm going with this too, <laughs> is I guess at least in our initial efforts and then kind of how this has evolved and what you're starting to learn and develop on the on the yeah. research lab side, what yeah. has that look like from a research team? Let's say a smaller research team wants to get involved in something like this. So let's talk to the researcher side, the investigator <laughs> side. What did that initially look like? And then how have efforts evolved to accommodate for the expansion of the project? Yeah. So just, you know, the initial uh, aspect of that was hand coding um, each data point. Um, so picking it out in terms of a shift day, rest day one, rest day two, and going through the, the the shift log and verifying that that firefighter was on shift that day, was off for the next two days, and then was on shift again, and then off for the next two. So having to actually literally hand code that. So now for eight people, not such a bad deal, right? So uh, even, even that was almost 4,000 data points. Um, over the six months, so it was it was quite a, a lot of data to hand code, and so many 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 hours, and so that was actually just myself and the undergraduate uh, coding that data by hand, um, but probably two or three hundred hours worth of work to to get that done and processed and analyzed, right? And so now that you so in the expansion of the projects, then um, as we've gone from eight to 30 to 50 to now in some of our uh, upcoming projects uh, closer to 500 participants um, and then up into you know 1500 2000 participants the amount of data exponentially grows so currently we're processing 14,000 data points per week for our, our yeah. current project and so that all that all has to be automated. You you can't do that by hand. Um, you don't have enough uh, physical work hours uh, or, or awake hours to be able to do that uh, per week. So what when you say data points, what what are the operators logging? And then and it do, don't have to be as specific on the agency side, but some agencies yeah. are kind of categorizing and yeah, finding yeah. ways to. Uh, label and categorize on their own side to, I guess, diversify and and find a little bit more information and trends and so forth. So what does that kind of look like? So the data points that we're interested in is certainly 
you know, the recovery score. We're also interested in HRV. We're also interested in sleep score, sleep efficiency, hours of light sleep, deep sleep, REM sleep, right? Um, just how do those categorize? So actually breaking out and quantifying time points for that. Uh, and then we're looking at resting heart rate um, as, a, as a marker of health, just general health, but uh, in combination with HRV, very powerful. So take those five or six or seven data points and then uh, for every uh, firefighter, but then also we wanna categorize those firefighters into what were they doing? What was their job task? So were they on the, the EMS uh, service? Were they on uh, an engine? Were they on a ladder truck? Were they on command staff, right? What was their, their job task category? Uh, for that day or for that shift day, uh, because some departments do rotate and even rotate within the 24 hours. Some will do 12 on the on EMS and 12 on an engine. Um, well, and to expand beyond that, right? Like yeah. the initial uh, recruitment process, right? Going through yeah. um, recruitment and then finally into the um, launch of the actual study, depending on, you know, when we're working with different agencies, when we start the discussion with an agency, one of our first go-to, uh, thought process is more of how do we disperse the whoop straps evenly amongst the different stations to get a good picture, right. To not just get one station where, um, whatever the culture mindset uh, call type frequency and so forth, right? We all know within fire and rescue, we know there's certain stages, uh, stations that yeah. uh, have a call, uh, a call type more frequently than others and, and just a different level of strain. So one of our ambitions are to disperse those whoop straps evenly amongst the different stations yeah. to paint a better picture for the department itself. Um, and then as you mentioned, mm -hmm. even capturing those rotational components are they transitioning from the engine to the medic and, and so forth you know what does that transition look like within an agency so helping providing data for each agency so they can in turn create yeah. revamp um, adjust whatever that looks like from a policy and procedure standpoint well, it just comes down to the question that they're asking right if they're so in in this case uh so if we're working with um so we, we have now 2448 data, we have 4896 data, and now we're working with kind of a modified Kelly. They just call it the 3-4. Um, so one on, one off, one on, one off, one on, and then four off. Um, but that one on, one off cycling in there, if somebody works an overtime day and they end up working a 72, you know, the, that current department has some questions in regards to, is that a, is that a good idea? Um, do we have some problems there? Um, and what does it look like? What's the toll on that firefighter uh, from a recovery standpoint, from a metabolic standpoint, from a physiological standpoint? You know, how how are they recovering after 72 on? Um, and then is, is it tied to the job task even? You can even correlate that down to you know, that specific variable. Um, so that's all of that takes massive amounts of computing power, massive amounts of, of time and setup and, and literally programming. We're, you know, we're programming 
uh, within statistical software and um, high level uh, programming languages um, to be able to handle those questions. Um, so, you know, it's almost like we're, we're moving into an AI world of, of analyzing that data set. What does, let's say, an agency knows whether it's shift work? So let's let's not even just target shift work itself, because uh, how at least verbally, how I like to explain things is shift work is going to be shift work. There's going to be negatives to it, yeah. right? pros and cons. Yeah. With that, is there a shift? schedule that's the lesser of the evils right that's just kind of how i explain it because it has negative impacts no, no matter which shift schedule it is yeah. and it's up to based on data based on logistics based on uh, so many different factors we're adding just one more segment to that to help drive um, uh, evidence-based decisions at the end of the day yeah, but the important part is, you know, we're just providing a data point, a particular perspective. Right. Um, you know, we want to take into account. And if you are, if you are a department or a municipality that's that's uh, considering a particular shift change um, to an area because you know all you hear is great things, right? Um, then you there are a lot of factors that need to be taken into that account. Um, we're just providing a, a data set from a physiological variable set uh, that we feel like um, you you can't fake it, right? You just there's no way to there's no way to bias it. Um, you you can't look at that data set from an HRV standpoint, from a resting heart rate standpoint, you know, and and fake that over a longitudinal value of three to six months or even a year as the current project is in. So it's 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 a factor uh, that you should consider um, with costs and with uh, uh, loss of duty hours and workman's comp claims and um, uh, any other aspect that you can think of uh, that, that you're interested in in terms of making that shift change. Um, you know, this is just a piece of that data. Let me ask you this. What is an ideal timeline, mm -hmm. maybe even participation? Let's say an agency wants to get involved. Hey, we have, we're running this schedule. Maybe we've never even heard of, right? And oh, they yeah. want to get involved. And I'm yeah. sure it exists out there yeah. or even a current one. I Don't get me wrong. Even if you're also running a 2448 or a 4896 in comparison to the ones that have already gone through this study, doesn't mean your data will be the exact same. I mean, you run, uh, th there's so many different variables, right? There's so many, so much uh, difference between agencies. So think of this one as a unique observation of your own agency. Um, but without getting sidetracked, my question is, what does an ideal observation look like? You know, we have one project that's one year. We have uh, had a cup or one uh, agency running it for a year. We've had a couple agencies for three months, one with the six month pilot. So what does a good or great or perfect timeline look like? And then um, from a from a snapshot, right, to be able to provide that kind of feedback. You know, there's a there's an old saying in, in uh, the scientific world, more data, better data, right? So the, the longer that you can provide 
data points from a longitudinal standpoint, and and especially if maybe you think weather is a factor in your in your job task analysis, um, then then yeah, you need to go across the seasons that you feel like are most uh, problematic. Um, so we typically say three months is a minimum because it takes you about a month uh, in terms of whoop analysis. Uh, for the the device and you to sync up really well and for you to understand how to use it maybe uh so really just once you're getting used to it then for another couple of months um, you can get really good data sets now again if you feel like the summer months are problematic for you but you've got you know, operators that are moving in and out because of vacations or you know, working weird rotations because of that, then that's not a really good data set for you. Um, but it might be a good data set for you because you need to find out, hey, we've got a lot of people that are working a lot of overtime in the summer. That's problematic, right? So that, that might be part of the overall question that you're going to ask. Um, so... You know, I, I say three months. In my head, six months is a better data set, right? Just because it gives you some transitional stuff moving in and out, but it gives you a, a large bank of material where you're where you're looking at regular shift change uh, rotations. That's kind of the other point, though, is that you know, I, I think some departments underestimate severely underestimate how little how often people uh, don't work <laughs> a regular shift rotation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, and I guess note to that is the more we work alongside and, and serve this population, the more we're seeing, and even in conversation, we're like, okay, you work at 2448, meaning you work a 48, 24 or whatever, right? Like the, yeah. the it, it, that's a lot of times what it comes down to. Um, just a side note, but to add to the previous question of an ideal timeline, um, and we've had one agency reach out with a different perspective of assessing current shift schedule, but then assessing oh, yeah. next, right? Like what they may transition yeah, that's, into. That's, so that's what, so, so kind of talk about that. What is a, potential in an ideal world, like yeah. what would be best case scenario to know what schedule to transition to? Yeah, this this sounds weird. And and even to think, and we were surprised, uh, like heck, at the department even suggesting this. So they're, they're considering, they're on 2448 currently, uh, considering moving to a 4896. And what they were willing to do was go for three months on their current schedule at 2448. And then at the three month mark, literally flip the city and go 4896 like flip the entire department not just participants the entire what nine station department uh to a 4896 for three months as a trial period as a a way and so that's the best science you can do because then the experimental group, the 4896, is the same as your control group, the 2448. It's literally the same people. And so you're comparing apples to apples in that case. Um, so if I had my you know, dream world of doing that type of study, uh, that would be the best case. Well, and on top of that, right? Like even if you start implementing WHOOP, 
And with the dashboard, you get the daily feedback, honestly, yeah. minute by minute feedback from a caloric and strand expenditure. Yeah. Um, but with that dashboard, you're able to make adjustments from day to day, right? Is still there's right. still an onboarding yeah. process. It still yeah, takes it's a that self-modulation. Weeks, right. But then yeah. even with that, personnel are starting to make lifestyle changes. So what's awesome right. is if you go about it that way, the first couple of weeks, even the first two months, personnel are making adjustments, but then you flop, you know, you flip flop the schedule right. and it's like, okay, we're starting over. There might be some lifestyle changes that remain intact just from just general nutrition and recovery and so yeah. forth. Or um, but, but, right. But then on top of that, there's, a lot of changes you're going to have to make from a routine, from a household and uh, so many different factors off of that next yeah. transition. And it's the same personnel they're going to have to do it. So that would be best case scenario from an experimental, from an observation standpoint, what that may look like. Yeah. So no, I, go ahead. That, that, that would be a tough transition. And that's why we were floored by that, uh, that city trying to think about have you, have you really thought about what this actually means to do this? Yeah. Um, on top of that, right, we uh, we always say from an observation, you go, let's go tier one observation, mm -hmm. right? The warning is always there. And so for those, one, uh, if you're listening to this and you go, hey, I want to go this route, I want mm -hmm. to observe and so forth, even if it's not with sleep and recovery, let's say it's I know where you're going with case, this. let's whatever, right? Yeah. <laughs> the warning is always there. You are opening doors, you are opening channels. You're saying, hey, we measured where we fall short, or we measured where we're not recovering, or we measured what performance indicators need improvement. Now what? Right. So what what would be your recommendation or what would be what is your thought process with your your establishing an observation whatever metrics you're looking at whatever indicators you're looking for what what is your two cents to agencies saying yes i i want to do some kind of pre-test post-test or or yep. daily uh monitoring so you know we have the uh the first issue right is that if you if you're going to ask a question, you better be ready for the answer, right? And that's that's for real with with these studies. So, and especially when you're dealing with you know real life human subjects who are in that work setting, um, and now you find out that their work setting is is not in a healthy setting, but some of the constraints or some of the questions that you're asking, you find out well that's that sucks. That's that's really bad for us to do that. So a are you prepared to have an action plan based on that? Or, you're, or are you going to sit back as an administration, uh, as an HR department, as a command staff and go, well, yeah, I know. I guess that sucks for us. Like we knew it sucked. Now we're confirmed that it sucked. So that's, that's the hard piece, right? Yeah. So the, the current department that we have that we're working with that year long study, they were interested in the study, but they're also interested in making real concrete data-driven decision uh, uh, processes that that will make change to correct those so that can we change the coloring in the in the bunk rooms the light coloring the light patterning can we change configurations of light uh, of bunk rooms 
Uh, do we have, you know, differences in what, how tones come on uh, for, for calls? You know, all of those types of things, they're asking questions. They just need data to support the direction that they think they want to go to improve the health of the, of the firefighters. But if you've got an administration that is going to do the study, but is going to make no change based on it, it's going to be a, so what, now what? And it's going to be a who cares at the end of that. So that's what we want to try to avoid. And what's we, we, we try not to partner with agencies that are not willing to take the, you know, advice under, uh, under their wing and, and, uh, and utilize it. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's our, I mean, that's day one when we meet with, before we start yeah. these, uh, the project with, uh, various agencies, you know, we go through this process of agency approval, site letter, and yeah. so forth before we even start the recruitment process. So we, I mean, there's already discussions with command staff, and that is literally one of the main points that we drive is you're opening, you're you're going to, if you didn't already know, which I'm sure you know most of it, um, now there's proof. Now there's tangible evidence to this. And it's not to... Yeah. I mean, it's not to scare agencies into, you know, we no. don't want to go this route because we don't want to be exposed. It's no, you need to, if you can measure it, you can change it, right? So yeah. if you can find a way to observe what's happening within the agency, what's happening to personnel, then you can start implementing interventions. And that's where we collaborate and walk side by side with these agencies and go, okay, yeah. this is what you see. Do you know what, uh, and I like how you mentioned action items. When you're working with this population, you don't show up with a problem without an action item, right? right. <laughs> and so working with these agencies, we first ask, okay, this is what we see, right? This is a large um, uh, part of this project that more Dr. Oldham, you and, and more on the research lab kind of handle the data analysis standpoint and what does that yeah. mean? And then provide that to the agency and go, okay, this is what we're seeing as an agency. How do you feel you want to handle it? And then kind of work that angle first and then go, well, this is what we recommend. If you don't have a route or let's say, you know, how can we assist you with that path? If you already want to take initiative to maybe one intervention, okay, let's look at what that may look like and how that will uh, wheel out. And then how can we continue to assist? Yeah. Do we need to monitor what that intervention looks like? Okay, what what does it? Let's say it goes well. What's step two? Let's say it doesn't go so well. What's a different intervention? So it allows right. us to kind of diversify our strategic solutions. Right. Couldn't have said it better. Yeah. All right. So the next question I have for you is looking at more. I, I know a lot of people listening are asking. Okay. Well, you've been running this project for a while. Right. Not not too long, but enough to know something. About two years though. <laughs> but but which two years for us is still okay. Okay. Well, we're still we're still building on top of it. Yeah. But with two years, there's gotta be something. Right. There's gotta be something. So let's talk about and and we get these questions from agencies too. What does preliminary data look like? Are there any trends without giving actual hard uh, not necessarily solutions, but saying this is the way it is. What have we sure. seen so far? But then I want you to add to that by saying, how can we make that picture better? Yeah. So preliminary data, 
um, suggests. We can't uh, we can't make some one hundred percent conclusions yet. So so we've got some um, some data trends that we can we can speak to. So in terms of uh, the the whoop uh, recovery score, it it's put into three categories, right? And and they're all color coded. Um, so it's uh, red, yellow, green uh, as you go up in quality of recovery or quantity of recovery. So zero uh, percent recovered to thirty three percent recovered is considered red, which means that you have incurred a lot of strain and you did not recover from it very well uh, the night prior. Uh, I know I've been down in the single digits. So have you. All, all too well. <laughs> so, and so you 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 know it when you wake up. You're like, oh, this is, that's, wow, that's an interesting score. That's when it um, takes us uh, forever to, we'll regroup and we'll say, have you even opened your app yet? And we're like, ah, I don't even. And then we open the app together and we're like, <laughs> Dang it. Yeah. Uh, so, and yeah, we see a, a lot of single digits in, in the fire service industry. Uh, so then 34% to 66% is considered moderately recovered. Uh, so even just a little tick above, you know, red there at 34%, moderately recovered. So you're, you're, you can do some stuff, uh, but you should probably modulate back on uh, the amount of strain that you're going to incur. Um, your body is still recovering. That's an easy way to put it. And then the green, 67% all the way up to 100%. I've never been 100% recovered. I think the highest I've ever been is like maybe 92. Uh, <laughs> I, I think mom one day was like 90, let's say 92. But then I was like, no, I have nothing to do today, which is odd. And then I just go right back to sleep and bank a little bit more recovery. And I'm like, okay, that okay. for me. <laughs> <laughs> so if you think about those as percentages of recovered zero to a hundred percent recovered, uh, based on, like we spoke earlier, um, HRV, resting heart rate, sleep quality, and strain from the day before. Um, so what we find is if you think about, uh, how the recovery score is calculated, it's recover, it's recovery from the day prior. Um, so if we have a, uh, so our, our first you know, on duty day uh, for the 2448, uh, that would have been, so you would have done a full 24 hour shift. Um, and so you would wake up on your first recovery day and it would give you a score. Um, so, uh, and then after your first recovery day and then after your second recovery day, so that morning that you're about to go back on shift. So that would be the three quantifiers we call OD1, RD1, RD2. And so what do those look like? So in the 2448, uh, re moderately recovered through the three days. It doesn't really go up or down very much. It goes up a little bit uh, after that first recovery day, and then it goes back down a little bit. So it never really fully recovers as an average. And this is aggregate data across all of the whoop straps, all of the data sets for all of the firefighters on their recovery days, regardless of shift. Um, so all of the shift gets combined into a single column of that uh, OD1 or on-duty day one. Um, so for 2448, they never really fully recover, at least on the average. Um, uh, and the data set is fairly wide in terms of standard deviation, which we can talk about at some point. But if you look at the 4896, so now you've got two on-duty days, 
they actually recover a little bit better after that second on duty day now and then they'll come down uh into the 50s again so moderately in the 50s for those two uh on duty days uh shift days and then that, that takes a toll so they'll come down a little bit on that first recovery day uh, but then we see this steady climb in recovery into the 60s um, uh, as the four days of off-duty uh, rest days accumulate. So they, they accumulate more and more and more recovery, right? Um, and then they go back on. So you, you have this sort of flat cycle, little dip, and then it goes back up and then comes back down after those um, shift days. Well, um, I, pre I appreciate you giving... Yeah numbers with that too even though it's aggregated data and it's still mm. preliminary data talking about in the 50s versus in the 60s right still not 70 80 90 getting no. to 100 but what's better staying in the 50s or staying in the 60s as far as a recovery score 60 is better than 50 right right you're just a little you're slightly you've got a little bit better hrv you've got a little lower resting heart rate uh, you had a little bit better sleep quality. So all of those factors combined give you about a 10% better recovery uh, rate. And so that, that doesn't sound like much, but we're not just talking about three months or six months or even a year. We're talking about a 20-year career, a 30-year career for that firefighter. And what does that accumulated stress look like from, from a heart rate standpoint? And that's one thing that I think that we can... Uh, we can really reach out and look at from a long, long longitudinal st study would be what does five years worth of data look like? What does, you know, eight years, 10 years of data look like in terms of your cardiovascular health? Um, so I think that's where if we talk about, um, uh, if we talk about, you know, cardiovascular health and, and cardiovascular disease, and, and cardiac, cardiac events being the number one killer in fire service industry. Most people will assume that it's, you know, that it's based on, or I guess, outside of uh, the, the fire community. Um, an outsider might look at it and go, oh, well, they had a heart attack. It, it's not that simple. It's a cardiac event based on accumulated stress over a long period of time. And I think that's our, our opinion. You know, uh, and there's good good research in terms of connecting cardiac events to low HRVs, chronically low HRVs. So that's something that I think that we need to look at in the fire service industry longitudinally. And I'm talking a long study uh, with a ton of data points and, and a ton of participants um, to be able to make a real supposition on that. What we can have right now is some conjecture as to, okay, over those three months, we saw a trend or we saw a trend, or we saw a trend, you know, that's the kind of stuff that you can't get on a single data point. When I had two thoughts behind that first one was, you know, it's all unique based on the individual, because what do they do when they're not at the station? Right? Yeah, yeah um, for sure. So there's, so there's so many other factors with that. So yes, this provides information from a aggregated, more uh, mass scale and providing generalized um, recommendations and so forth. But even with that, you still need a unique observation based on each individual, especially if you want to implement daily uh, lifestyle changes and so forth. 
So that drifts me into my second thought of, uh, I I appreciate you mentioning CBD and being the number one, uh, the number one killer, uh, uh, reason of, or purpose, uh, reason of fatality and so forth. But it's, I, I see it pushed within, uh, especially within the academy setting. It's not like it's really pushed where that's all, all we talk about within the academy. But from a fitness standpoint, why do we work out? Well, because CVD is the number one killer. Like I, I, I hear that all the time. I know you do as well. Yeah. I know many people do. But is it really just physical fitness? Like is one... That's not the only reason we work out. So I'll put set that aside. But then two, is physical fitness the only way of attacking and uh, of attacking CVD and reducing the risk of? Yeah. So I like to think about it, you know, as it, it oversimplifies it. You know, physiologically, we are, you know, and, I, and I've said this in other discussions, we're chemical beings. And so we are so intertwined in terms of like the the biochemical pathways uh, that affect that one variable, right? So heart rate, just your heart rate sitting right here can be influenced uh, through neurological patterns. It can be affected through chemical patterns, um, just in terms of what's happening, you know, uh, caffeine. Uh, things like that, right? So we can exogenously affect that heart rate. But then through hormones and endocrinology, um, all of that can affect hormones, uh, can affect your heart rate. The amount of, you know, fuel that you have, the hydration, the temperature, like we're we're a very fluid uh, being in terms of our physiological status, second by second, minute by minute. So it oversimplifies it to say, oh, cardiovascular, the disease is the problem, then you need to work on the treadmill. That that doesn't make sense in terms of overall, uh, you know, cause and effect type of actions here, right? Lights, there it goes. So, um, so if we and that and then that doesn't fit the job task, right? The, the job task is not a purely cardiovascular event. If it was, it would be an endurance event, but it involves strength and power and range of motion and flexibility within that range of motion and functional power and functional strength and functional range of motion and endurance. You know, all of those factors are, are fit into that, that job task analysis. So we, what we can say though, is, you know, exercise does affect your resting heart rate, certain types of exercise affect your resting heart rate. Exercise will affect your HRV. Um, but how is it affecting it? Is it because of biomarkers, biophysiology? Is it because of endocrinology? Is it because of neurology? Like what are all of those factors going into it? So um, I can I could raise your heart rate right now and I could just flood your body with cortisol, uh, the stress hormone, by simply saying, okay, look, you're going to give a lecture in three minutes over calculus right? no, you, 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 you want your heart rate to skyrocket you take all those biomechanics class yeah that's, that's right <laughs> <laughs> so you know we we know that mental stress and physical stress have very similar biochemical pathways 
And because they have similar biochemical pathways, and it is very much a, a cause and effect relationship in, in the human body, it is a an effector and a receptor relationship, we have our body reacts to physical stress and emotional stress and psychological stress very similarly. So it's not even so much as to say, you know, if you have, if you want to prevent heart disease, then you need to do aerobic work. That is the tip of the iceberg, the literal iceberg. Yeah. I, and, and just even us, us talking right now, my thought process is, you know, because CBD is the number one killer, it should be, this is why we educate, not this is why we train, right? This is why we educate. This is why we empower. This is why we discuss, you know, and, and working out is a part of that discussion. It's part of that education. How should you work out? What does that look like? And so forth. But that's just, that's just one, one segment in itself. Well, and then, you know, If, if I if I say HRV is the number one thing that you should monitor, I mean that that flat out is it that's a that's a valid statement. However, HRV just in its name is variable. It's variable within myself and between us, right? So if if you and I compared our HRVs, which we do a lot, all the time, uh, you know, by age differences, you know, I'm I'm 29, you're what, 30? Wait, I'm not 29. R2 HRVs are going to be vastly different on, on, on most days. But on some days, my HRV is higher than yours, right? Like I had a, a HRV oh, yeah. of 72 the other day. Oh, yeah. And I threw a party. I was yeah. dancing around. Like it was craziness. I was super salty. I was like 60-something. And yeah. he's like, yeah, well, my HRV was higher than yours. Yeah. Or, or, or my HRV has been uh, 21. And then there's that. Yeah. And then there's, so it's, and like, you know, and you know, and, and you oh, just yeah, know, yeah. right? Like we intuitively, like we know, but the hardest part and the best thing about this is, and I hear it from other people all the time, like, they wake up and go, I know I'm going to have a bad day or I know I'm going to be, I'm not recovered. That's great. But right now, I don't know if I had a bad day seven days ago or 14 days ago or 21 days ago, right? Like right. I can't sit there unless I'm just writing on, you know, a calendar going right. an RPE of two or an RPE of three, right. just kind of perceiving what my recovery is. Right. So it, it, I like the, the tracking to be able to monitor trends. And yeah. that's, that's a huge part so of it. As an educational piece, you know, if we're, if we're working with academies or if we're working with incumbents, or if we're working with special operators, the ability, so you have, there's two, two dynamics to this, the ability to know your data and know what that means. And then what does that mean in terms of actionable items? Can I modulate my activity that day or can I not right if I wake up and it's it's my shift day and I'm at a at a 14 percent recovery because I did something weird yesterday then and I and I I have to go to work right I can't call my 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 chief and say hey I can't come in. I got a 13% recovery. Like, okay, well, see ya. Thanks very much for working for our department. Bye-bye. 
you you can't right so that's 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 the idea is do you have opportunity and ability to make change and modulate your activity during that day however but on the same token if if it's been a really rough 48 really rough and you're and even maybe on that first day off you're not your recovery score is okay let's say it's 40 something 40 percent okay that's maybe like a little yellow flag like hey that was probably pretty rough we should probably take it easy it's going to take actually what we see is the next couple of days it just slides slides down and, and it'll get down in the 20s and then in the single digits you're like okay like this this four days i gotta take a break i'm not gonna go out and you know, run the extra. I'm not going to do the the extra workouts. I'm not going to, you know, uh, stress about this. I'm not going to go work on the back fence. Like that'll wait another week. Like those types of things. You have to be able to make that modulating change in terms of behavior. If you want to see a positive trend, what you'll find though, is if you ignore the data longitudinally, you see a downward trend. Just over three months, you'll just see you're just sliding down. Well, and as a as a user, you get to and and there's other platforms, right? Like we uh, for a lot of our projects and for this project in itself, like we're partnering with Whoop. There's plenty of other devices out there, um, but yeah. what's good about um, utilizing this is uh, honestly the main one I'm familiar with, just being a Whoop user, is getting the monthly report and yeah. the fact that and we've done it. I'm, I've done it recently, probably. Just now, these past two weeks, I'm back on the upward trend. If you hear people talk about upward, downward trend, yep. right? Probably about two months ago, just kept telling myself, okay, power through another week, get more work done. I can recover next week. Like you just kind of push that, <laughs> right? And I know you know that all too well, too. But I see these, uh, like I see week to week and I go back and look at my week, my weekly trend just a daily trend throughout the week. And then I yeah. look at the previous week and I just notice I'm going down, but not as severe as four weeks later. And I get my monthly report and yeah. literally every week is just downward. Like I'm just spiraling downwards. And I looked yeah. at my last report and just had to come to that conclusion of, okay, I, I need to do better period. Like that's all you can do. You either keep yeah. going in a downward trend and then, uh, you know, the the uh, health uh, issues, obstacles that can come with that, yep. or you go, I'm going to make a change. And so now yep. I'm starting to see some green. I saw, I think I'm at 88% today, so uh, I can't complain one bit, but <laughs> it's actually effort. It takes effort. If you're going to open the app, if you're going to look at the recovery score, if you're going to yep. utilize this from an individual basis, like you have to do something about it. Yeah, so that's the individual, and then you also talk about that on a broader scale, you know, as a department, um, as an agency, um, as, as an entity, as a city, right? Are you going to make some changes to that? So, but it's so as I look at, I yeah, got to look at my app right here. In December, uh, I was at a HRV about forty milliseconds, so um, that's fairly low. That's fairly low in my range. Uh, but then it went December, January, February, started to slope down March and April. I was training for a, a half Ironman. And and so the training volume got really high and um, it hurt. 
right? So my, my HRV started to crash down there and I actually got down into March right before in April, right before the event, uh, down to about 39 milliseconds. So now, and then I took three weeks off. So I was like, okay, competition day. I'm taking three weeks off after that. And then now March all through May, I'm I'm back up. Actually, I'm I'm up even higher than I was back in December um, and even January, February. So I'm, I'm up at like 53 milliseconds as an average. And you can just see the overall trend. So if you went from this November, December last year to May now, we, we saw an upward trend. Well, I made some I made some changes in how I was training. I made I went from eight to nine workouts a week to five workouts a week or six workouts a week. And then I I pulled the volume of those down just to, just a tick, not much, but was able to change the overall kind of slope of the trend. But had I ignored it and just kept training through, you know, all of May, all of April, all of May, I know where that HRV would have been. It would have been the tank. Like it would have been really bad. So can you, can you, and will you make those changes? So the the cool thing, and like we talked about, there's lots of products out there and we just, we, we have a great partnership with Whoop um, as a university, as a, as a research team. Um, but, but one of the, so we, you know, and I want this to turn into the, you know, the Whoop glory show, but one of the advantages of that is it has a journal right on there that you can, if we all do science, and I say this a lot, everybody does science. You just don't know you're doing science. And you're like, I hated science in school. You do science every the way, day. The way people organize their science is different for sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you, you see something. You have a question, you you test your question with some sort of experimental process, and then you analyze those results. Now, sometimes that's a really short time period, right? Of I'm hungry, I will eat. Now I don't feel like I'm hungry anymore. Like that's really science. Conclusion was success. <laughs> I was hungry. Wow, weird, right? So if you if you think you know, I I tend to have really low HRV scores on that third night of the forty eight of the of the ninety six, on that third night. Why why is that? Oh, I know. On that third night, we always go out and we have margaritas, and then the next day my HRV is in the trash. Well, is that real? Like. So you can put that in there as a question in your journal. Alcohol consumption. Yes. How many? A lot. Right? And then after that, mm-hmm. that month, it, it will tell you, you know, it will tell you, yep, in fact, every time you consume alcohol, you get a trash HRV score. A well, trash there's, score. Yeah, and there's so many. I mean, the, the amount of to questions... It, like- because well, so many questions. <laughs> I remember we first looked through that journal and we were like, I didn't even know people want to know this. Like yeah. it was just random questions. And your monthly report will put it side by side with your scores. Yeah. And it'll say, you know, based on when you input this or this, this is the trend that's following it. So it goes back yeah. to the amount of effort you're putting into it is going to provide you with so much more feedback. 
right? It depends on how you utilize the technology in itself. Um, from a, you know, we mentioned, uh, let's say the observations right now is more in the in incumbent within agencies and monitor yeah. monitoring shift schedule. But what, just to give a perspective, you know, what within an academy setting, how can this thought process be utilized to help instructors, but help directors try and organize what does the occupational training, what does the actual curriculum yeah. look like? Yeah. So, you know, if you, if you just from a, a pure strength and conditioning standpoint, if you can't quantify your workload on day X, how do you know how to program for day Y? The, the next day or the next day? What does your week look like? What does your bi-week look like? What does your month look like of, of physical preparation? If you don't know what that's looking like and and you have bad programming, you're A, at the very least, not going to reach the physical goals that you're trying to reach for your cadets or whatever. You're, you're just, you're going to break them down and you're not going to reach the goals that you want to. That's at the very least. You're like, well, I don't know why they're not better. You're just occupying time. You're yeah. You're you're because you're trying to train, you know, with antiquated technology and antiquated knowledge. But if you have an idea of okay, well, this is the workload, and we're we're able to figure out okay, if we imply apply this amount of workload, we get these results. This amount of workload, we get these results, and you can look at that for the group. It's very powerful. You can, as a as a um, strength and conditioning uh, specialist or as a, a, a TSAC F, like you can actually apply better knowledge because then you have data from from the the uh, cadets or uh, whoever you're working with in that case that they can't they can't bias right they can't fake the data. You know when your group is broken. You and, and instead of going in there and just having some conjecture, and this is the cool part, right? Because they will lie to you. They will come in and say, no, no, like staff, we're not, we're not feeling it today. We're just, we're tired. Like, and then you look at their recovery scores and everybody's in the green. Hey, guess what? <laughs> Let's go. One Let's vice go. versus too, depending on yeah, same the way. academy, right? Like you'll look at them, legs dragging, their arm don't work. And you're like, hey, are you up for this? And they're like, of course, I feel great. Yeah, right. Great. Like, throw anything at me. Yeah. But e even taking a, a step back, when you mentioned, you know, knowing what workout X looks like to define yeah. or create workout Y is, you know, bare minimum. And, and this is taking kind of a, a side note. But think of this, the application of uh, HRV and monitoring in, in this way can yeah. be step two, three, or four. Like step one is riding out your workout. When, when you know, when I say, when I said, how about you, you know, just occupying that time and not knowing, you know, what workout X looks like. If you don't have anything written down, you don't have a plan, like you're just literally taking them out to, to, to go jump around, push ups, run, whatever you know, you're just, you're just occupying time. So yeah. first step is write everything, write everything that plans something. And yeah. then you can regulate volume. You can regulate all these different things and, and monitor. That's 
best that's good practice for a strength and conditioning individual in itself right but then that next step you know is being able to monitor the overall load both cardiovascular load and then now uh, it's a little bit more tricky i don't know where it will evolve to um, but the uh, strength trainer, if you work with the incumbent setting, might be a little bit easier. Academy setting, not as much, but it adds a little bit more musculoskeletal, more on the muscular strain itself. So it adds a, a, another segment to that. Don't know where that'll work from an academy setting yet, um, but those are tools and resources to add another layer of monitoring both uh, strength and conditioning um, from a physical fitness session, right? That individual aspect of the academy. And then also the workload and the strain from the actual occupational training. But that gets back to, if you know that your target is here and your current status is here as a, as a group, right? This is the standard for pass. Let's say we know that. And we know that, right? Yeah. Uh, that's another question. That's, that yeah, yeah. Another day. <laughs> this is your standard for pass, and this is where your current status is. What is your plan to get from here to here? Yep. You can't just go across, right? You, you, it's, it just doesn't happen. Developmentally, it doesn't happen. Physi- physiologically, it doesn't happen. Mentally, it doesn't happen. Socially, it doesn't happen. So you have to have a plan. So if your plan and you don't have data to come back to to say okay i'm i want to get here but we're we're slow we're just not getting there why you know what what is it about my programming so that that's uh, that's not able to get there but if you don't have data along the way if you're not testing along the way you're going to struggle with getting those uh those uh, players to that point so whether that's whoop or or uh, catapult, or any of the other entities that that help monitor movement, right? Even if it's just something, you know, Fitbit, like, hey, our cadets did eighteen thousand steps today. Okay, write that number down, right? And and does it give you a way to go? Okay, that's that's a way of figuring out how hard the day was. If if it was a very hard classroom day and they only got 3,000 steps that day. Okay, that's a number, right? But have some way to quantify what they're doing in terms of workload. And that will help your programming. But if you're looking at it from the standpoint of, you know, uh, multifaceted, taking a lot of factors into it, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of good technologies out there and that's what we're leveraging uh, with loop so what does let's say an agency says this project sounds fantastic right um what does from start of discussion let's say an agency reaches out comments on this sends Mm -hmm. a facebook message sends an email goes to the website whatever it might be right and says hey we want to observe we want to know where our department stands and how we can create policies and procedures to make uh, or improve the health of our personnel let's go that route right what does that process look like especially tied into the irb what is an irb and then what does that pathway look like from start of discussion to launching the study 
in five minutes and 47 seconds. Okay. I know you got 60 seconds. <laughs> easy, easy peasy. Easy. So uh, like you mentioned before, have conversations with the decision makers, whether that's command staff, whether that's HR, whether that's legal, whoever, doesn't really matter. Um, to find out what they're really interested in. What is the question that you're asking, right? And sometimes they don't know the question. So it may be a longer conversation. So let's start that conversation. So that's that takes a week or so. Then once we establish that, then there is a process uh, called Institutional Review Board uh, that we as a university have to go to because uh, we're going to say, this is our research procedure. Here's permissions from the city uh, to be able to do the research with this um, group. And um, here's the, the benefits, here are the risks, right? Uh, it's just to make sure that we don't do horrible stuff to humans, literally. Um, and then we will go through a recruiting process to get volunteers for these studies because you you have to voluntarily consent to doing the study. Now, sometimes we get, we only need 50 and we get 90. Sometimes we only need 300 and we get 500. Um, so we will randomly pick and we'll try to, you know, uh, spread that across the department as much as uh, possible. Uh, and then we will implement uh, the uh, and train uh, and onboard each participant, uh, typically in group settings, uh, to, to hand out equipment or set up the variables or uh, to let them know how they're going to complete the study uh, and then measure for that long time period. So whatever that time period is, whether that's three, six or 12 months, um, all along the time, just we're taking in data, we're pulling out reports, we're pushing back information uh, as needed and as wanted um, uh, to that agency. And then at the end, we have to take time to analyze the data, depending on the amount of data and how automated we've made it at that time point. That can take three months, six months, almost up to a year to analyze data. Like it's taken us probably right at about uh, 10 months now to analyze the, the current recovery standard data set. Uh, just because of the amount of data, uh, we're talking literally millions of data points. For the agencies wanting to reach out, one, to contact you, uh, but then two, if they want uh, a little bit more insight um, uh, as time goes on of, of uh, what trends we're seeing, uh, what contact information? How can they get a hold of you? How can they get a hold of the AM Commerce uh, Roar HP uh, research yeah. team? So you can actually just go to tamuc.edu slash Roar HP, O R O A R H P uh, lab. Um, and that'll get us to the webpage. But then you can also contact us you know, at my email address, michael.oldham at tamuc.edu. Um, so you can contact me personally and you can reach out to, you know, you with, uh, through Dubai performance, you know, all of those, I know you've got, uh, you know, interest pages on, on your page there. Uh, and that's, we've actually worked with some departments based on that. Um, so that's the easiest way. Uh, just reach out to us by email or going to the webpage and clicking on some links there. Um, and I will say this, you know, uh, and we've kind of avoided the question, what's the cost? Right. So depends on the question and it depends on the department uh, and the scope of the of the of the problem. 
uh, that we're trying to solve, right? Some of them are free. It's really easy for us to do. Um, some of them cost tens of thousands of dollars, depending on what you want to do. Um, you know, certainly there is a cost to the WHOOP studies. Um, some departments were able to absorb that cost. Um, the earlier ones were not. We had some internal grant structures on that. Um, currently, we're writing a uh, a very, very multi-million dollar grant uh, to work with a particular entity. Um, but it's, you know, it, it can go up to that scale. Um, so I would say, you know, just understand what your cost is too, as well. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to to join us on, on here and talk about Absolutely. the Recovery Standard Project. And uh, we will be uh, tuning in again, if you haven't heard already, uh, there's uh, a podcast with Kathleen Hoff talking about one of the initiatives within an agency, uh, but I'll be regrouping uh, with you to discuss kind of where the project is going in the next couple of months. Um, and then we will go from there. So be uh, on the lookout for the next podcast episode. Awesome.